0: Is it time for your business to pay it back? Hello, I'm William Eastman, executive producer of Richmond Biz Live. And if this is your challenge as a business owner, then don't miss a single show. Either listen live at 10 o'clock every Saturday on WLE News Talk 990, or download our podcast at richmondbizlive.com. Every show, we tackle those issues in marketing, sales, people, customers, and finance that are limiting your success. If it's time to get paid back for your years of investment and sacrifice, join us this Saturday at 10 o'clock Richmond Biz Live and finally we're here and it is not Saturday it is Friday Richmond Biz Live and uh, let me talk a little bit about the show as we get into this and uh, we see ourselves as finally the the only resource here in the Richmond area for business owners to realize their dream this is the number one business talk show in the city and you ought to be here we are dedicated to removing obstacles for growing and selling a business you can you can play you can listen and you can do that by either listening every Friday at uh, 12, uh, 12.06, noon plus six minutes, uh, on WLE News Talk 990 here in the beautiful studios of, uh, in downtown Richmond. Or you can stream us live at richmondbizlive.com. That's Richmond e.com And uh, basically what we do here is every week we share years of practical research and experience gained from growing and selling your business. Uh, We talk a lot about how to self-finance your growth. In fact, our experience is that a lot of the companies that went from zero to market dominance did it totally by financing out of sales um, and effective management of cash. Uh, Richmond Business Live, we are a team of recognized thought leaders in our fields. We are all business owners, and our job here is every Friday for 54 minutes to provide you shortcuts uh, to success, whether you're, you're looking at reinventing the business or you're looking at selling it. So as far as I'm concerned, and of course I would think this way, this is the most significant 54 minutes uh, of your business week. Watch, listen or join. Watch us by going to www.richmondbizlive.com. and on the home page you can you can hit the watch button, which will then stream directly to the studio. And if you just did that, Linda and I are waving. or you can you can listen by streaming the listening button and then of course you can get internet. If you're not listening to this, or you can join us, and I heartily recommend that you join and you call in because we are prepared to take your questions and we're prepared to provide you answers. And if we can't, we'll get back to you. But uh, challenge us to see if we can answer your questions at 844 249 5483. That's 844 249 5483 or 844.bizlive. And so if it's time for your business to begin paying you back for the years of investment and sacrifice, then. Your alternative, there isn't any, is simply to be here every Friday, and what we'll do here is we will cover those issues related to the business. Now, today's show, uh, we're going to be covering track A. Let me just kind of explain this a little bit to the people who are new listeners. Uh, we're running two tracks this season. Track A, uh, which is every other week, are for those individuals who have said, I, I've got my p- business to the pinnacle, I'm at the peak, we're doing about as good as we can do. Uh, now I have the decision to make. And there are three decisions you can make. One is, one is a kind of a procrastinating decision. One is, well, I'm just going to stay here, which is a false, um, a false belief because you're either, you're going to start decaying the business. If you don't do something with it, option number two is to say, Hey, that was kind of fun. I'd like to do that again. Let me reinvent the business and see if I can double or triple the worth it's worth. Or number three, um, it's time to sell. I've had enough and either I, I want to go do something else or it's time to retire or et cetera. And so this track, um, we're going to be talking about reinvention. So in the studios uh, with us today, we're going to be starting off with Linda Heath and she is our financial expert and she's from Financial Holographics. And then uh, we're going to have Andy Shulett coming in uh, talking about new product and service development. Andy is our expert on lean manufacturing. He is from Metamorphosis Management Consulting. And he is the expert on lean manufacturing and on processes. And we found that applying the principles of lean, a small business is probably the most intelligent uh, of the quality tools. There are many out there and Andy's an expert at all of them. And what he does is he picks the ones that you can use right now. And then finally, we're going to end the day up talking to somebody who is a pioneer in the development of CRM customer relationship management software, Ben Meredith. And he's going to be talking about how do I do market research to figure out where the competitive advantage, not where it is, but where it's going to be. And that's kind of our objective as we put that all together. So with that, let me reintroduce the audience. Linda Heath for Financial Holographics. Morning, Linda.
1: Good morning, Bill. How are you?
0: Oh, you know what? It's afternoon. We get, it's we're afternoon. so used to we're doing so Saturdays. We're
1: so used to doing this on Saturday morning.
0: We're such a Saturday crew here.
1: Well, I uh, tried to slip in incognito. Thank you all for almost having to cover for me.
0: I, I, you know what I was wondering is, what was I going to say?
1: Well, I, was, I would have texted you that I was on my way, but that would be texting and driving, and we don't do that. Do oh, uh,
0: okay. All right.
1: So uh. I have a question for you, and I have a question for Ryan, too. Who's your favorite spy or spy author? If they, well, all have a favorite I— Favorite spy? Let Ryan go one. there.
2: There's one by the name of uh, Dashiel Hammett. I think he did The Maltese Falcon.
1: Oh. Yeah, that was I a good love- one. And then yeah. somebody did a comedy of that, The Maltese Bippy, many right. years later. Yeah, Okay. You know, yeah. yeah. Hammond. How about you? Do you have one? Everybody has a favorite spy.
0: I have a favorite. I have a favorite. I, I, I'm not a, a fan of spy novels. Mm-hmm. I thought Burn Notice. If I talk about oh. spies, I thought Burn oh, Notice was just yes. awesome because it's kind of a MacGyver with an edge.
1: With an edge. I love that. Yeah, and I loved uh, Fee, the the crazy Irish girlfriend who likes guns and explosives. Well, I asked about that. I I saw um, Casino Royale, kind of the latest iteration of James Bond last night, and it got me thinking. And I was looking at the topics you had outlined for us, supplier-driven innovation, customer-driven innovation, and collecting market intelligence. And I'm so glad Ben's going to be talking about that. And so I'm going to talk about how spies and finance and innovation all come together.
0: I can hardly wait to hear that. (laughs) Spies, innovation. (laughs) And cash flow.
1: Finance.
0: Finance. Okay, well, I'm ready to go.
1: Okay, well, um, every week I've noticed in your opening, you really promote that we're here for the interests of the established businesses, the going concerns. And I know from um, different weeks you've talked about how everybody wants to help the startups. But we're really here for the guys who have been successful and been making it for a long time. And um, so what I'd like to do is introduce you to an organization that's right on the mark with that. Have you ever heard of SCIP, S-C-I-P? Yep. Oh, I haven't. Woo-hoo. Well, it is the it used to be the Society of Competitive Intelligence Professionals. Ben, you know, oh, Ben's a member. Oh, good. And um, now they've rebranded themselves as he's st- probably a plank owner. Strategy, yeah. <laughs> strategy <laughs> and competitive information professionals. I heard about them in about two thousand six seven and attended their international conference in New York in oh seven. And I was thinking about these topics that you've pulled together and decided to reacquaint myself by going to their website. And I found some things that are really relevant to our audience. I was kind of excited. So, um, they uh, are you pulling it up right now? I no, no, it. no. I was oh, just okay. I'm just
0: letting our audience know that you're on and they ought to be okay. listening to you.
1: Okay, well, I just thought maybe you would be pulling them up. Anyway, their vision and mission statement reads like this. We serve as the premier global association that enables members to compete in any environment, in any landscape, through access to best-in-class strategic and tactical intelligence decision support capabilities in the form of education and training, forums, access to tools, and global peer networks.
0: Now, that sounds like that was done by committee.
1: <laughs> ah, you are so close. <laughs> well, they have a much more interesting origination. They they were formed in the mid-'80s. There were, there were some uh, <laughs> retiring... CIA spooks and some retiring FBI agents. And these guys got together and they said, you know, I'm really tired of my old job. There ought to be a way I can reinvent myself. And mm-hmm. I've got a really unique skill set. And so they created this society to apply their skill sets to the business world.
0: Wow. You know, we ought to be talking to those guys.
1: Well, now we have been. I had forgotten about Ben. So anyway, we should. And I'm going to, so this is supposed to be a TED Talk. So the first thing we're going to do... Um, economic gardening, which they talk about on their site, which is so relevant to our target audience. It's not startups. And then secondly, I'm going to tell you a couple of things that I picked up from my experience at one of their conventions and how that relates to finance. And then thirdly, we'll talk about how our users can pull some of this information together, even though they may not be able to go go to these global conferences or hire a skip.
0: And that's good because that really is going to be a good lead-in for Ben because Ben's got to kind of play in the same pool today.
1: I know. It's just wonderful how each week it comes together. So um, one of their programs, they've launched something called LEAP, and I think it's on the social or community side of their website, Local Economic Advancement Programs, and the focus is on economic gardening. Have you heard that term? Oh, yes. Yeah, I've been keying in on it. Well, the way they define it, it's a philosophy that embraces strategies to grow existing second-stage growth companies. That's what I like about Uh it. And how
0: did they define second stage?
1: They didn't define it. They just stated it. But what they're saying is it's not startups.
0: Right. So it would, be, it would be a company who has re- already reinvented themselves once, and they're kind of in that second growth spurt. Could and, be. and just for our listeners to know that the companies that have gone from zero to a billion only had to reinvent themselves
1: four times. That just boggles my mind. We'll have to do a whole show on that one time. So let me yeah. get to some other bullets. Um, so it's a philosophy that embraces strategies to grow second-stage companies. It's innovative, entrepreneur-centered economic growth strategy. And it offers a balance to the traditional economic practice of business recruitment. So this is focused on the um, economic development people in various counties, cities, states, and so right. forth. They're trying to bring companies, and right. it's giving them a new way to think. Let's not always go for the new guy. Let's figure out who's got it going on and get them to come to our town.
0: So it sounds like that they they were involved in the same research we were with Kaufman about four years ago, Kaufman Foundation, on this whole concept of, the high-growth firm. Right. Because that's really right. where all the economic expansion is. That's where the jobs are. It's not It's not the new startup. It's the existing Correct. startup. Correct.
1: And we startup reinvention. That's exactly and right. And a lot of
0: the high-impact firms have been in business 10, 15 years before right. they finally started to hit it.
1: Exactly. And what's interesting about them is that it's like that song, The Wind Beneath My Wings. Yeah. They bring a lot of smaller companies with them because when they go into a local market, there will be things that they want to source locally. And... Those local companies get that opportunity, um, and so they're kind of drafting behind them. Um, so it's it's ima- emerged as a prototype. This economic gardening is a prototype for rapidly expanding movement, which you've just okay. touched on. It's for like-minded economic developers, Right. the idea of unity, and I think these are sort of counterculture. Um, they're looking for additional methods to generate truly sustainable economic growth in their communities, regions, or states.
0: Now, they, uh, when they talk sustainable, they're talking more from the environmental end or no, no, no. sustainable from Business. where you and I come from, Business. financial end.
1: Yes, that's exactly right. And um, one of the model's key elements is this I love, and this is where we're going to do something really useful for our listeners today. Um, the, one of the model's key elements is providing local entrepreneurs with access to competitive intelligence about markets, customers, competitors, comparable resources. Am I Oh, no, keep rolling. We got Ben Meredith Meredith out in the wings smiling. He's kicking his list off. And comparable to the resources that are normally only available to large firms. So included in the category, they're they're making it accessible Mm -hmm. to smaller businesses, um, market information, database, data mining resources, geographic information systems. And several innovative cities and regions are actively pursuing economic rebirth. They've turned to competitive intelligence to understand what goes on, how to connect the dots between different types of information, and then use it to revitalize a a city economically. So what I want our listeners to do, and you can post this on our website, go to www.skipscip.org. It is an org. They are a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And you can see cities that have chapters. But you can also figure out what communities may be okay. doing this, and we, it may make information available to our listeners. So if we have time, how are we doing on time? Oh, I well, you tell got, you, you, got, you got a few minutes here. Okay, I want to tell you a couple of things that I picked up from my experience there. Um, one speaker talked about how to go to a trade show and glean competitive intelligence, and you really have to go with a different set of glasses. My my delight is finding all the booths with chocolate. You know, I kind of follow the goody trail. <laughs> But if you um, get some education about how to do it, sometimes it's not only what's being said, it's not only what competitors or suppliers may be introducing, and that ties to our supplier-driven innovation. That's a great place to go and get Mm -hmm. a quick view. Go where your suppliers exhibit or go where your customers exhibit and get a quick, in three days, you can get a quick idea of what's going on um, and factor that in. But um, it's also one of the things they said that I would not have thought of was it's also what's not said that you should be listening for. Listen for the silences or the blanks because that may be where the most uh, secret new future innovation is coming from. Then I had another one. You know, banks are close to my heart. I've been in and out of banking who talked about how uh, one bank used competitive intelligence and reading financial statements of their fellow banks as public information information and figuring out which ones were the largest candidates to be bought during a certain wave of right. bank yeah. um, aggregation. And they used that to position themselves to pick up all the disgruntled customers. Hmm. So th- isn't that interesting? A- a and then my favorite one, the third speaker that I loved was a finance guru. I can't remember his name. Um, and at the time, he was almost the only finance-oriented, competitive intelligence guru in this organization. He was, everybody went to hear him. I think his first name was David. But anyway, he talked on the mainframe computer industry in the 1990s. And at that time, IBM was the big gorilla. And all of a sudden, here came Digital Equipment Corp, DEC. Does anybody Uh, remember that? I remember DEC. They came along, and they invented mid-range computers that could do a whole lot more with a whole lot less. And that included, at that time, I had a business designing and building computer rooms and critical power. And so they used less air conditioning, less critical power, less generators, so forth. Well, um, at that point, the mentality was nobody ever got fired for choosing IBM. But DEC began to make inroads. And IBM realized just if nothing else, they could not leave that slice of the pie on the table. So they got into the mid-range section. Well, it didn't take them but a couple of years to realize, oh, my gosh, we are losing our tail feathers on this segment. For all
0: of you out there, it's called the AS400.
1: Yes, that's right. It is the A. And they still sell it. Oh good, but they were but but anyway, so IBM went to this man and said, We're not making any money. We can't believe that DEC is making many money in this field, but we can't exit this field until they exit. Otherwise we'll set them up for success.
0: Because, right, because then they could go up market with the expensive stuff.
1: Well, or if nothing else, just just scarf up that whole middle market segment and, right. and be a successful business. So basically, IBM said, tell us if they're going to fail and how long do we have to stay in? And he went to their public 10K, you go to the SEC public information and analyze the business. And he said, you know, it looks like they're making a profit. But when I convert that to true cash flow, how many times have we talked about? Oh, yes. When I convert that profit number to true cash flow, they um, have actually um, pre they use some accounting adjustments that were legitimate to look more profitable, but it wasn't turning into cash yet. And he gave them about six months, maybe 18 months, but it was a short period of time. He said, they will be out of cash. At the rate they're burning cash, with what I see in their financials, they will be out of the game. And IBM waited it out, and sure enough, within exactly the time frame he said, they were acquired. DEC was acquired, and then IBM was able to let go of that little rat rat pile and, and move on to their next <laughs> thing. But isn't that fascinating? Oh,
0: that is. That is. the And, if, well, the IBM had the pockets deep enough, To be able to go, we can hang hang on and not make any money.
1: Okay, so here's the conclusion. Here are the things for our audience to take away. Um, First of all, you can actually go out to the SEC website and pull 10Ks on the big companies, the big gorillas in your industry. Yes. They are a wealth of information, and they have experts who have diagnosed and sliced and diced their market trends, competitive risks, opportunities, threats. They may even reveal um, segments they're getting out of. Maybe those segments are too small, but it might be an opportunity for
0: you. As a matter of fact, I would say is that they probably disclose more than they believe they do because I used to use that when I made sales calls to large companies, and I would use that information, and they would look at me like, you got a mole inside the
1: company? Right, But there it is. And um, then what I suggest to our audience is you take that information you've gleaned and go hire—not hire, but go get a SCORE representative. That Service Corps of Retired Executives—they're right. part of the SBA. It's a free service, but a lot of those guys have retired from big companies, so they can help take what you found and help you drill it down to how can I use this to benefit. And then you need smart financial person to help you um, like forecast you. and so forth. Exactly. So I'm Linda Heath, Financial Holographics. You can reach us on our website, financialholographics.com, or through the Richmond Biz Live website
0: and go to resources resources and, and I would picture. be
1: happy to email or talk to anyone who's interested in more.
0: That is awesome thanks Linda
1: you are so awesome for doing that to see you, Bill
0: This is Richmond biz live 8442495483 and we'll be back
1: Hello I'm Linda Heath, president of Financial Holographics and your chief business analyst. Our accounting and finance experts solve business mysteries for CEOs. of private companies are struggling. Only 5% have it made. Where are you? Join me Saturday mornings at Richmond BizLive for live answers to your nagging questions. Sponsored by Financial Holographics, where you don't have to know what to ask for to get what you need.
3: As a business leader, have you developed a highly productive work environment? Do you create a work-life experience that is self-motivating? enjoyable, and rewarding for your fellow workers, vendors, suppliers, and most importantly, yourself, to navigate to a pleasurable work-life experience, which will provide the means for you to have a fantastic full-life experience, contact me, Andy Shuler, for a free consultation on the web at metamorphosismc.com.
0: And we're back. This is Richmond Biz Live in the beautiful studios of WLE News Talk 990. In downtown Richmond, Virginia, and I'd like to do a couple shout-outs before uh, Andy gets on. Uh, first is to our studio engineer and good friend Ryan. Ah, thank you, Bill. And uh, how's your week been so far? It's been wonderful. Yeah, just wrapping it up, ready for the weekend. Gonna uh, head up north again this weekend. Oh yeah, you're gonna yeah. you're gonna see some nice leaves. Yeah, maybe that's right. or maybe you won't see any leaves, depending upon <laughs> where you're headed. <laughs> right now, yeah. I'm going up to uh, Manassas, so it'll be it'll oh, be okay. nice and pretty up there. Well, it, it's gonna be gorgeous. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, And I appreciate we appreciate everything you do for us here. No, thank you. Uh, I'd like to do a shout out to our partners in Kansas City, Missouri, and that's Richard Retzer, and uh, he's running our Midwest operation. Have a good day, Rich. Um, Also to our our West Coast and our Canadian affiliate, and that is Kevin Granger, who operates kind of simultaneously from Las Vegas, Nevada, and Calgary, Alberta. And I can tell you, if I wasn't from the United States, I'd be from Alberta. So with that, in the studios. From metamorphosis management Consulting is Andy Schuick good morning Andy well, or I guess morning. afternoon because I'm still caught up with my <laughs> own know. show we all are Andy sent me an email yesterday going I can't get used to this Friday stuff
3: yeah boy, I'll tell you I got to change my whole uh organization of the way I go ahead and do business it's really amazing yeah because we, we got upset you.
0: we got, we got we got used to Saturdays and it was a, really a challenge now Andy Andy has had he's the person who has had his title changed over the three seasons season one is Andy was our process expert because the companies we were talking about, the 80% who are trying to get by, need to build processes. Then last season, Andy, we shifted over to productivity because, after all, the companies at the 15% that are doing reasonably well, um, their process is in place. Now the question is, is getting the productivity out of the process that you designed in. This season, where we're talking about reinventing the firm, Andy is now totally focused on, how do you build new products and services so andy let's start there yeah well i'll tell
3: you you know to be in business you sort of have to understand the big picture and the big picture is an integration of all the subsets of your business so that's why it's uh very interesting to see that and uh, one thing that uh, linda pointed out and it's it's a good uh, learning lesson is that you need to take the time to go look at people that are successful and find out why they're successful and also to go ahead and find out why they were unsuccessful and learn from the mistakes. And you do that
0: in your own business. Well, and then, you know, Tom Peters, uh, came out with something a long time ago. And it, I'm sure it was common knowledge to a lot of people, but he said, fail fast. There's nothing wrong with failure. As long as you fail fast and you learn from it, what kills you is when it takes forever to learn. That's correct. That's correct.
3: So on today's show, let's focus, let's look into investigating how the company uses customer feedback and performance of the uh, company's products to drive innovation in the company to expand the product offering and grow the market position. Um, the company will then, you know, get its suppliers involved by sharing this information to investigate and implement new avenues in growth that the market presents for all. So, you know, why get feedback from customers, you know? I know it all. well. First, let's look at a short uh, scenario of company X. I started this company five years ago by inventing and introducing a completely new product to the world. I invented the product in my mind and had no input from customers, for there were none. So I do not need customer input to grow my product line in company.
0: Now do I? Nah. Wrong, wrong. Uh, you know, only Steve Jobs would have the arrogance to do that and pull it off. You know, if you think about it, Steve Jobs, great example of a, an incredible entrepreneur who had a sense of what he was doing, but also a very dangerous strategy. Cause Andy, you and I have talked a lot about you never develop new stuff on spec. Right.
3: So, you know, a person, you know, with this attitude, should continue to be an inventor and sell the product production company to those people that can grow it over many years this will create a win-win situation for the inventor and the customers of his initial developed product. You know, as we have discussed two weeks ago, quality plays a um, increasingly important role in the product and associated business as it matures. Uh, This is due to competition from upcoming providers that is initiated by product demand created from the value the customers see in using the product. So to develop uh, a mature product or service, it is necessary to obtain customer feedback in order to add customer-driven value to an existing product, which will aid a business in maintaining market dominance. And that's what we're there for. You may feel you are adding value, but if you But if it is not perceived as value-added item by the customer, it means nothing and creates a waste of business resources.
0: That's right, because we talked about this in Lean Manufacturing. One of the beauties of Lean is if you looked at your entire process of making something and you put it all on an invoice, how many of those items would the customer balk at paying for? That is correct, yeah. Now, some things you got to do the customer won't pay for, but there's a lot of things you do that you you go, we got to stop that because we – it, it, it incurs a cost, and if we can't charge for it, then what are we doing? So that, that's, Andy, that's what Andy's talking about here. Only a much uh, grander concept is if somebody's not going to buy what we're about to make because we don't build in the features that they're going to buy for, what are we doing? That's right. Yeah.
3: That's right. So uh, to grow a business, one must introduce brand extensions, products that complement the existing brands, or possibly a completely new product which is independent of the existing products already and may eventually, who knows, become an independent business or be sold off. So what does it mean to develop market dominance? Let's say that you have developed a new product. The product specifications may have been based on what your gut feelings were and possibly some preliminary consumer testing of prototype samples, from the analysis of these items, you finalize the product. Mm-hmm. Since you are the only one with this product, you initially own 100% of the market. It's not very big, but you own 100%. If the market concept, um, if the if the product is accepted, your competitor producers will follow, because they see an advantage to get in on this new product and they will add enhancements to their competitive product in order to attract your customers. Thus, if your product takes off, it is to your best advantage to obtain customer feedback on the present product and what your customers identify as additional characteristics that they would like to see in your product. This provides a very positive forward direction and high return on your future investment in the product versus what you may think they may want.
0: That's right. And it's and again, what it gets back to is imagine building a product or service that you know you automatically got the first buy. Right. As opposed to now I got to go sell the damn thing.
3: Thus your uh, customers, if you do this uh, surveying, are happier and you've upgraded your products. Uh, There is customer retention. There is an opportunity to grow your customer base using your satisfied customers uh, when they have conversations with their friends. They become salesmen to you that don't cost you anything. And you maintain your market dominance. So enhancing your market dominance can be accomplished through developing product brand extensions. Uh, In performing your market research, you can investigate product needs outside of your product's niche. Using your existing product as a starting basis, you can look at other market segments to see what their needs are. By modifying your basic product to the needs of the new market segment, you can again gain a larger market following and growth. As an example, the diet movement created diet soft drinks over regular, completely new products. Uh, I just saw advertised on the TV, Cheez-It, a new product. Uh, They presently have 14 products that differ in flavor, shapes, sizes, and textures, of which one um, you have to ask yourself, uh, one of these products, the new one, is it a cracker or a chip? Because it's designed like a um, chip, and basically, this leads them into a completely new market niche.
0: So what you're saying is a, it could be like a a cheese Oreo. Yeah. Kind of in- interesting.
3: So, <laughs> and Lay's potato chips recently had a uh, chip flavor contest, and it was on. Oh the yeah, TV yeah, I saw that, and it was open to the public. And to go ahead and try to develop what the people want. And
0: I think it was the wasabi ginger. It was something like that. that was- I remember wasabi. I, I remember seeing that going. Oh, that's interesting is asking your customers to design your new products. Now how ingenious is that?
3: Yeah. I also went on to Lay's uh, potato chips and they actually had a chocolate covered potato chip. Okay. So that's for Linda.
0: Oh, for Linda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Linda stays away from the processed food, except of course for chocolate.
3: Right. So what about complementing products? Uh, Think of a product that is enhanced by combining it with a totally different product. An example might be a carrying case for a laptop. Uh, The case provides a means for easy carrying the device plus auxiliary equipment and other items. It also provides physical protection to the computer when it is in transit. You may be the computer manufacturer but have no skills in designing or furnishing carrying cases. But in performing your product surveys, you can get information on value-added enhancements that your customer base would like to have and would purchase if available. Thus, by partnering with the case maker, you will be providing a highly functional competitive product and a one-stop purchasing effort for the customer. What is the value to the customer of ease, and safe movement of an expensive item and purchasing convenience.
0: Well, and you also think about from the supplier standpoint is that, you know, you're taking out between 20 and 30% of the the marketing and sales or cost of sales out because if they could sell their case directly to your customers, look at the deals that you could get there and the price advantage of that over, say, going out and buying at retail.
3: Exactly. So why are relationship with your suppliers important? In today's business environment, the manufacturer or service provider may rely on partnerships with suppliers to deliver the final product to the customer. You and a supplier or suppliers may develop the customer surveys together. Each of you has expertise in components of the final product. Each of you can offer up ideas generated by the customer's feedback. Using this method can provide value that if done separately, or just the final product, would be lesser value to yourself and create a smaller market. The relationship also creates a stronger bond between the manufacturer and suppliers, which then benefits everybody. As an example, we saw in our previous example, the PC, the jointure of the manufacturer and the case provider, And basically, it was a win-win outcome for all, the manufacturer, the supplier, but most importantly, the customer. So Mm -hmm. with that, in closing, uh, identifying the customer needs and what the customer values in a product are essential for business growth and longevity. Without a, a strong customer base, there is no business.
0: And I, and I can tell you is that of the companies that are very good at new development, which is what Andy's talking about here, getting a, a competency audit, are the companies that collaborate with suppliers and customers in the design, especially in the early stages of the technical specifications, uh, so that they know what to build in and you've got an immediate sale. And then once you sell it to that client, then all you've got to do is generalize it to sell it to all the other clients that are like that. And that's one of the ways you pick. Well, who do I partner with? Right. Well, who is the largest potential sale? And you partner with them and then you generalize that offer. But uh, you can really, really move quickly through the marketplace and cut out a lot of the development time and a lot of the development cost, plus reduce your cost of sales. So, Andy, hey, appreciate it. Help people get a hold of you.
3: Okay. You can get a hold of me by uh, going to my website, metamorphosismc.com, or go to Richmond Biz Live under the expert section.
0: And you certainly are an expert. Thanks, Andy. Good seeing you in the studio. Thank you. This is WLE News Talk 990. The show is Richmond Biz Live, two24 four844 249 249543 We'll be back.
3: Hi, Mike Carroll of Sandler Training here in Richmond. Do you know the three most commonly made sales mistakes? Are you or your salespeople at fault? Visit focusbusiness.sandler.com to download your free report, The Three Biggest Sales Mistakes You Should Never Make. In this report, discover these unproductive sales strategies and what to do about them. Finally, take the pressure out of selling and reach your desired sales result. Visit focusbusiness.sandler.com to download your copy now.
1: It's 6.42 p.m. Time for Steve Plato and his son Dylan to do the dishes. They talk about everything from the yuckiness of girls to the awesomeness of his soccer team. Sometimes they don't talk at all. Then, hey. the dreaded <laughs> splash fight. It's Dad O'Clock, and it's the best time of the day because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council.
0: And we're back. This is Richmond Biz Live, richmondbizlive.com. The number is 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483. Third segment today, we are on this theme about uh, collecting intelligence and developing new products and services. So now we've got Ben Meredith in the studios from B&B Consulting, who's a partner with Sandler. And uh, for those of you who don't know Ben, Ben is one of the pioneers of customer relationship software. I mean, back in the day when it wasn't even done on DOS, Ben was writing the code. So welcome well, back, Ben. Plug
2: boards, brother. Back in the day.
0: <laughs> back in the day, hey. We're still we're still doing it.
2: <laughs> yep, we are. It was um, uh, surprising Linda started off the way she did. Um, uh, Skip is a great group. Used to, used to have a great group here in Richmond. Uh, kind of disbanded a number of years ago. But if you ever get a chance to uh, attend some of the groups, there's a large one in Northern Virginia that's extremely active. You'll meet everything from corporate librarians to retired case officers. Uh, and there's... there's just tons of education that you really don't see anywhere else, like uh, uh, intelligence working through a trade show or elicitation techniques. So it's it's a it's fun. It's very uh, uh, very educational, and there's things that you can actually put put to use in trying to gather more information for your market research and for what products and services you want to move forward with.
0: Yeah, because you know you think about it, Ben, at a trade show, and Linda was talking about it, and I know you had it on the list. Uh, talking points for today is that you can find out what they think of the upcoming market, what markets are shrinking and what markets are expanding by simply what's the product offer or the service offer, depending upon what they do, because if they used to offer something and they don't, then you got to say to yourself, they think that either that market or that customer specifically is not going to be there for them. So yeah, if you're, if, if if you can, if you can play detective a little bit, it's kind of like one of those formulas where there's three or four variables, you can go to a trade show and probably solve half the variables right there. And then the rest just takes a little logic.
2: There's a lot of them. You can, you can map a little bit of it out, but when you go to a trade show, you're not there to talk. You're there to listen.
0: That's right. Unless you got a booth, then you're cell.
2: Uh, then you hire people to sell for you and then you and go, that's, it, that's a great
0: idea. You go walking around.
2: Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Marcus research researched by walking around.
0: So. Yeah. I, I, unlike Linda, I don't go to the chocolate. I go to the ones that serve liquor.
2: I like the way <laughs> you think.
0: <laughs> all yeah. righty, man. Cool. What,
2: one of the other components you've got in this also is, is what is being referred to as big data. Though I, I can't stand the term. It's yeah. like social what, media. What does that mean? Uh, we're, it means it's code named NSA. Uh, actually, it's where we're aggregating as much data as possible. We're picking it up from uh, from all our sales, all our internal information. We're picking it up from uh, anything you, quote, unquote, you could Google possibly. Right. Social media uh Anywhere there is data, and there's tons of it to be had, and uh, trying to aggregate that it's so you can start doing some market analysis and some predictive analysis and some sentiment analysis on all of that data. The hard, hard part there is to try to make it actionable. We right. can give you tons of data if we don't try to point out uh, through dashboards or some highlighting where you should be directing your action uh, based on that data, then we've pretty much wasted
0: your time. Is is it, um, is that a, a, an issue about having the right algorithm, uh, Ben? Or is that more of we put it? It's one of those we put it all up on the wall and we see see what what the pattern is. Is it more kind of a human thing, or is it uh you can you can buy a software package to crunch the numbers? Which is it? you can you can crunch
2: the numbers. You still need the uh, the human intelligence, the the human as you call it. Uh, you yeah. still need that piece. the The difficult part is the presentation. Uh, because it's not just one person in the organization, you're trying to disseminate this throughout the organization. And it's a culture change for for a lot of organizations. And typically see the competitive uh, research and competitive analysis and large data aggregation, typically in larger companies. but with the tools we have, it's starting to come downstream a lot more, and small to medium business should be uh, if they're not using some of this already, we'll be using it pretty shortly.
0: Okay, so let me set up the scenario then. I'm a, I'm a business owner. I've grown my company to about 6 million. I've decided, and I don't want to sell it yet. I've got another five years in me. Let's say I want to reinvent it. And I know that what I have to do now is I have to come out with some new products and services. That that's kind of the proposition I'm in. And Andy is, you know, Linda's talked about it. Andy's talked about it. I need to partner. All right. So with my customers, the suppliers. So talk to me about how do I collect the market intelligence to begin that process of partnering?
2: Well, as Mike mentioned last week, last week, the week before, no week before, week before um, he, he relied uh, in his prior business on a lot of strategic partners. Right. And a lot of small businesses are in that same boat. We, we really don't have the, the budget to really go out and do competitive intelligence the way we'd really like to. Right. So relying on partners to bring back information to them as much as possible is good trade shows. And would be some of the pieces we just talked about earlier are excellent. Uh, again, I think a lot of this falls on the sales reps being feed on the street and listening to customers, talking to customers on a regular basis. And that's where we're going to start getting more information on what the customers are actually wanting. Right. Otherwise we can make something and if nobody buys it, who cares?
0: All right. So let, let so let's stop there. You know, Linda talked about getting the sec, uh, uh Ten, K. Oh the 10Ks yeah 10Ks. Uh, from the SEC if it's publicly traded you can do that if you if they're not then you probably looked at Dun & Bradstreet on or something like that on what's the background on this company and typically if you look at Dun & Bradstreet they'll give you analysis of the market of what's going on all right so th- that's a place I can go what about uh what can Google do for me
2: pretty much anything if you want to craft the right searches okay there's a, there's a lot of um there's a lot of techniques and uh, in, in tips and tricks. It, of course, you can Google those, too, to find out how to use Google better. Right. Um, social media is excellent. It's self-curated, which is excellent. Okay. Uh, and it really brings a lot uh, lot out. If you are, and most business owners do have a financial advisor, reach out to your financial advisor for information. Right. They're They're probably tuned into pieces and parts of it a lot better than in a business owner. Right, business. because I'm
0: sure that at the end of the month when they do the financials or the end of the quarter, they're doing some comparisons to you and your competitors to say how well you're doing because cash on hand, for example, what's the right number? Well, part of that is the business, but also is that if you're way above or way below the industry average, then that's also an indication of something. So I got a sales force is out there collecting information that answers some questions and generates some questions. So then I looked at Dun & Bradstreet and I looked at Google say okay let me let me ask some questions of these sources so i can begin to get some answers correct would that be would would be would that is that the right way to go about it ben
2: that's where i would start okay you've also got a second piece there is what we're actually doing inside of our own business ourselves okay what uh, what our sales teams are doing how, how what information are we tracking
0: okay oh what if this is a loaded one then so uh you're saying that if i had a really good crm customer relationship management software package I could begin mining inside to see what I'm learning from our our current accounts.
2: Very sharp. I like that, Bill. And we've only
0: known each other like five years.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You kind of have to be aware of some of the information you think is coming at you. Um, A good example might be um, a a small software firm uh, or an IT firm that's handling software. Well, five or six years ago, they were probably selling software at $10,000 a pop and then providing some service. Right. Um, and a lot of those software suppliers that they were getting, uh, their goods from have shifted over to subscription based products. And a lot of people saw that coming. A lot of people did not do anything about it. So consequently their sales force is still trying to sell $10,000 products and they're not there anymore. That's right. So do we have
0: anybody in mind? Uh,
2: Well, there's several out there. We'll just let let them ride. They know who they are. Yeah, they they know who they are. If you priced them twice, you'll know who they are. Right, as opposed Uh, to
0: something like, say, Salesforce. Salesforce Salesforce.com is just an example. Sure. I use Capsule, which I really like because it integrates with my uh, extranet.
2: Now, the trap is that the compensation reps get, where they were getting a load up front, now they're just getting a trickle. Right. Uh, And that's not sustainable And a lot of, I know a lot of people who have really taken second careers now. Because of that okay
0: all right so let's let's talk let's go back to the business owner okay so I've got all this data how how would you if if I if I hired you to come in to be the consultant to help me with this market intelligence how would you organize the data and present that so that we could get into a meaningful dialogue and make some decisions about what to do
2: first of all we're going to have to get that data into a meaningful form that we can start working with because it's coming in from multiple sources right uh, we've got our own internal data that's uh, hopefully self-driven and accurate, we've got uh, uh, financial data, we've got uh, uh, what's coming in from external sources, being vendors, suppliers, customers, getting that all into a common form where we can start slicing and dicing it. For me, I would drop it into, uh, some people use Excel, I would probably use a a SQL database, but any way you can get the information in there so you can start slicing and dicing and looking at it visually. You can't look at, uh, we used to call it green bar paper. You can't mm-hmm. look at reports anymore and really get sharp, defined data out of it.
0: So, so what you're saying then is we'd probably, we, we may group the data into two, into two bundles. One would be the quantitative data that we throw into a spreadsheet that then would allow us to create the right chart, whether it's a bar chart, scatter graph, uh, pie chart. You know, all depends upon what we're asking the question. And then you've got the, uh, the, the qualitative data and probably we're going to do what's called a thematic analysis. In other words, we're going to go through there and say, here are the four major themes that we have collected and who the themes come from. And then you see how well those two butt up next to each other.
2: Yep. And where's the heat in all of
0: these? Right. And, and more than likely, it will generate some answers, but it will also generate some further questions. And that's probably time to get back on the sales force to go. For the next month, when you're out there making your calls, whether it's face-to-face or by the phone, here is a question I want you to ask and quick data on.
2: And here's how to ask that question. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Don't go just blurting it out. Yeah, like, uh, what was your financials last month? Yeah. You know, something like that. Perhaps, re- really help the sales. The questions
2: process. and listen. Okay. Your job is to listen and gather data.
0: So, if, if you could kind of pull all this together, given that you, you had the chance of, of hearing Linda and hearing Andy, let's pull all this together because the reinvention of a company, what it really means is I'm going to go to the market with new products and services to an existing customer base, not new customers, not at the moment, but an existing customer base. Pull it all together for us.
2: First thing you need to do is find out what those customers would really like to have. That's where your sales teams really can start pulling information out and bringing it back. After that, gather as much data as you can from wherever you can aggregate it and start looking at charts and analyses, trying to find the pieces that are actionable. Data is no good unless you find the parts that are actionable.
0: Okay. And I think I would, I would, I would add to that because I'm thinking about this now because where I'm vice president, we're going to probably have to go here before I leave in my role is that I would, I would take the four or five major conclusions I drew from this and I would give it to my suppliers and customers and see if they agree with the conclusions and would they be willing to join me on some sort of a team activity where we were going to design something new. And that would tell me where there was traction as well, because if they're willing to invest...
2: If you've got skin in the game, it's probably a good idea.
0: And if they've got skin in the game, they'll probably buy it. Yeah. yeah which, which gets us back to why we would That's do this. Right. Now, we're, now
2: we're circular.
0: Okay. Ben, how do people get a hold of you?
2: They can reach me on the on uh, the web, uh, bnbconsulting.net. That all the time. Or you can reach me directly by phone, 804-503-8700.
0: And Ben, and ben is on the experts page on richmondbizlive.com. Thanks a lot, Ben. Thank Appreciate you, it. And well, I'll be seeing you in two weeks, I think.
2: Nice to meet you next week.
0: Next week? Could be. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, we're going to be talking about selling the business next week. We've got, uh, we got Mark and we've got uh, Rick back talking about it. So, Okay, so w- let me kind of pull this whole thing together because it may have sounded a little bit es- esoteric to the, uh, to the business owner, but here is really the deal is that if your decision is to reinvent the company, um, what are your choices? Well, your choices are to build something that you think the customer is going to want and then go out there and test it, which might work or might not. Now, if you've got a great CRM system and your sales force is really collecting the data and they're accurate in what they're adding in there, you might be able to draw enough from internal data to make that decision. Uh, however, I would hazard that the risk involved in that is just way too large to go there, but it's a good place to start. What I want to do is I want to look at the existing market of customers I had and kind of visualize this i know i'm going to be talking about a graphic model and i'm going to be doing it verbally but if you go to the x y axis the x axis is the horizontal and the y axis is the vertical and basically on the x axis we're measure what we're looking at are products and on the vertical on the y axis we're looking at customers so if you turn that into a two by two four boxes you know where you've been selling is in the lower left hand box which is existing offer to existing customers. And so what we talked about in the 80% was a focus in this arena. Um, If you go up a box, which is just above that, which would be um, new customers with the existing product offers, what we talked in the 15 segment, when we're talking about the companies at 15% is now what I wanna do is once I've got the market penetration I got the percentage of the market that I can get from my existing base, What other customers do I have that are similar to the ones that are my best, most profitable customers? And let's go sell there because the sale isn't going to be drastically different. So we've exhausted that. Now we're at the 5%. We're at the elite. We're at the top of the pile. And we said, we're not going to sell. We're going to reinvent the firm. Now, where do I go? Well, now I'm going to move out onto the X-axis and I'm going to move to the right here. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to sell to the same customers because now I've expanded my base, you know, that is not the same customers as I had when I was 80%. Now, because of going through those two phases is much larger. Now what I want to do is come out with new product and service offers. And some of those could be, as Andy talked about, they could be extensions, they could be combinations, or it could be something brand new, but that's where I want to sell. Where I want to leave you is the last box we haven't talked about is new products and services with new customers. That is the death box for small business because you do not have the capital to market and advertise and sell to get into that marketplace. They don't know who you are. You don't have a reputation and your cost of sales are going to skyrocket for the, for the small sales that you get out of it. So that's where you want to take it. So hopefully what you've got is everything you need to put this together. We will have the notes from uh, today's presentation up on the website. Uh, at the end of the day today and be looking for a new website here in the next day or two. I've been working on it for the last week and I'm not that good of a web guy, but I think I can pull this off uh, today. So with that, I wish all our listeners wealth and prosperity and join us next week for Mark Deutsch and and Rick Grossberg, uh, Grossberg talking about selling your business. Take care, Richard. Is it time for your business to pay it back? Hello, I'm William Eastman, executive producer of Richmond Biz Live. And if this is your challenge as a business owner, then don't miss a single show. Either listen live at 10 o'clock every Saturday on WLE News Talk 990, or download our podcast at richmondbizlive.com. Every show, we tackle those issues, in marketing, sales, people, customers, and finance that are limiting your success. If it's time to get paid back for your years of investment and sacrifice, join us this Saturday at 10 o'clock for Richmond Biz Live.